What's up, Wellspring? We are filming this uh, after Sunday, so it doesn't have that live uh, feel uh, to the room. Uh, but we wanted to make sure that you guys had the opportunity in, on the online community uh, to kind of keep up, follow along with us as we work through Matthew 18. Uh, so as we start this uh, midweek experience, online experience to you, uh, would you guys pray with me? God, I... Um, Father, something out of the norm, something different, Father. Uh, Lord, it's not different to those behind the screen, but different to us in the room. Uh, Father, be with my mind. Uh, Father, also, Lord, I pray that you would move through this. Uh, Lord, we pray that for every experience. Lord, we pray for that. I pray that for every, every time we're interacting with people and sharing your word. Lord, would you move, Father? This is... This is meaningless. This is useless without a move of your spirit. Um, there are atheists that have studied uh, your word and treat it as an academic book. Um, Father, we see your word as life-changing because of what your Holy Spirit can do with it. Um, so, Father, it's my heart, it's our heart, Father, that you would take um, our efforts right now and magnify it by the power of the same power that brought Jesus from the grave, Lord, would you, would you use to transform lives right here and for right now? Um, we love you, Jesus. In your name, amen. Uh, I love uh, to make uh, lists. Uh, my wife and I, in very different ways, uh, make lists, which I know makes me sound like a lot of fun. I, uh, I fart rainbows. Uh, I am just a blast, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, I, I have, uh, uh, on my day off, I take Fridays as a day off, and I will make um, a to-do list. Uh, it's really not a to-do list. It's more of just like a list of things that I want to accomplish so I can feel like on my day off, I still can go to bed and have accomplished something. Uh, during the week, I keep a, uh, a Trello board, uh, and I break it down day by day, and I kind of move things uh, to each day so that I can e end each work day uh, feeling like I accomplished something. Uh, do you keep a list? Uh, do you keep, uh, perhaps, uh, maybe it's Google Keep, uh, maybe it is Cozy, which is kind of like a family app. Uh, you might have uh, Trello yourself. You might just go into your notes app and, and make a list there, a shopping list perhaps. Uh, if you're watching this with somebody, on the count of three, uh, look at the person who keeps the lists in your family. One, two, three, go. You know, like we all, we all know that person in our family. Uh, and I would argue that although you might be looking at me through the screen and saying, well, you sound like just a bag of fun, uh, and you, you might be tempted to be like, eh. Uh, I would argue that you and I probably, even if we don't keep a, a physical list, we might keep another type of a list. <laughs> like, you might not keep a physical list, but do you have that mental list <laughs> of every person who ever has wronged you? Do you have that list of names of people that have, well, okay, here's, here's so-and-so's name, and well, he wronged me here, he wronged me here. You have a list of all that person's wrongs towards you. I, I made a list like that uh, in a journal this past year. My, my counselor uh, told me I needed to do that, uh, and so I, I made that list, but it wasn't a reference point. It wasn't for, the exercise wasn't so I could go back, read the list, get angry again, get even with, you know, like it wasn't that. It was, it was really to make the list and let it be done and move on. We all have different types of lists, and even God himself has a list. And this is kind of something referenced throughout Revelation chapter 3, but, it, but in Revelation chapter 3, throughout the whole book of Revelation, but uh, 
Here's something that God, God says. He says in, in verse 5, he says, The one who conquers will be clothed in white, and thus in white garments, and I will never blot his name out of what? The book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. That God has a, a, a list of names of people who are in their own right sinners, but have said yes to a relationship with Jesus. They, in faith, they believe, they trust that Jesus lived perfectly, died for their, for their sins. And in faith, they are now seen as righteous, holy, perfect. And their name is, is, in, in, is on a list of, of people who are in the family of, of God. And, and we've been looking at, for the last few weeks now, Matthew 18, we want to grow up in our faith. We, we want to... We want to come to Jesus messy, and we want to be less and less messy. We want to grow. We want to come in, in all of our immaturity and grow to be a little bit more mature, a little bit more mature. And we've looked at greatness. We've looked at temptation. And, and, and both of those have this temptation to, to avoid people. Uh, you know, we can say, like, hey, I am so great. You are beneath me, and there's this distance between us and them. We can look at temptation, and we can say, like, well, you're trash, and I don't want to become trash. And so we avoid and we start to despise and we start to, in both concepts, we start to not interact with people. So who's on your list of people to avoid? <laughs> if I was going, I don't usually title sermons. Uh, uh, the online uh, team that we have here does that. They title the sermons. Uh, but if I was going to title this sermon, it would be Gut Check. For the family of God, as you watch this Wellspring community, uh, this is our gut check. Who is on our list of people to avoid? Why is it so easy for us to have people that we would write off as insignificant, worthless, and these are people that are on, are on God's list of people that are part of the family of God. The people that God is pursuing. The people that God is, is, is fighting for. We want to write off. Why, gut check, are some of our deepest hatreds among the family of God? What's a mature heart towards people that God is pursuing? What's an immature heart? When we despise people that God is ultimately pursuing, we despise the heart of God. And so if we despise the heart of God, there's really only one word that is fitting, and it even seems to underplay it. Immature seems to be a very fitting word when we despise the heart of God. When we pick this up, now we're in Matthew chapter 18. You can turn there. You'll see it on the screen. It's in your Bibles. Go through the Old Testament uh, get three quarters of the way through or so. You'll get to Matthew. If you hit Luke or John, you've gone too far. We're in Matthew 18, verse 10. See that you do not what? Despise one of these little ones. Despise those that are younger in the faith. Little ones can be uh, seen as not necessarily kids, but kids in the faith. Those that are new to the faith. That, that we understand that there are certain things about them that are immature when it comes to the things of the faith. And we don't expect them to right away be mature. You don't expect a, a child to come out the womb and start eating even baby food or steak. Like you expect that child to nurse from the mom. And, and you wouldn't get mad at the child for nursing from the mom. 
But yes, there is a time where you do expect maturity, where you don't expect a six-year-old to still be nursing from mama or dada. <laughs> Not dada. That doesn't make any sense. From mama. <laughs> You expect the growth. And so here, we do not despise those that are, that are immature in the faith. To literally in the, in, in despise in its most literal, literal form is to look down on, think down upon. So to, to despise is to, to treat with them with no consideration, no care. When we despise a, a, a family member of God, even the immature family member of God, we're treating God himself with disdain, with contempt. We understand the, the unbelieving world looking at us and treating us with, dis, you know, despising us and treating us with disdain and treating us with contempt. We can understand when they do that to us, but for us to do that to each other, that is attacking the heart of God. How do we do this? How do we despise each other? Well, we can flaunt our liberties. We can say, well, I've been freed from this, uh, or, 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 or your crutch is not my crutch, so I'm going to flaunt my liberties, even if it becomes a temptation for you. We can, we can attack each other's personal appearance. We, we, can, we can show uh, partiality, favoritism, uh, we can lack empathy. We can, we can lack sympathy. We can, help, we can act in a way where this is not sinful for me, but it does cause you to sin. And, and so I will act in a way that forces you to go against conscience. That's an act of despising. We can take advantage of others for our own personal gain. We can get mad at, at other people for their sin while overlooking our own sin. And when somebody lovingly confronts my sin, I can treat them in, really with disdain and hatred, even though they're trying to lovingly encourage me towards growth. These are ways in which we can despise one another, and there's many more. And, and the point being that God is not napping or clapping when we act like this. He's not applauding it. And so our big thought for this experience is a bold one and a big one, and we're going to have to dig into it just a little bit. Is simply this, despising God's family awakens God's anger. The God of the universe who, who breathed out the universe like, like stars of fire coming out his mouth as it says in Psalms. This God that we fear with holy reverence when we despise one another, when we treat each other like this, it awakens his anger. So we're gonna, we're gonna show through Jesus' words here three insights as to why this is. The first one is the insight, uh, an angelic insight. This is where Jesus goes in the rest of verse 10. He says, For I tell you that in heaven there are angels. Always see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Jesus brings up the angels to say that the angels are, 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 are working my will. The angels are, are waiting on me. This is not saying that there is a guardian angel for everyone, as some faith groups would argue. Uh, we, we don't see that here. What this does say is that God is willing to dispatch his angels like that. He's willing to send his angels to be a help and a care for you and I. That as they are dispatched to do the will of God, part of the will of God is coming alongside the family of God. He sends his angels on our behalf. It is proof that he cares for us. The lengths of, and the depths of which somebody is willing to go for another is a cue to the heart of that, per, that that person has for said, said person. 
So the depths at which God is willing to go to send us the angels is a cue to his heart. It's an extension of his heart. And so we should then live out of that same, an extension of his heart. We should live in that, that manner. We should, we should pay respect to one another given the depth that God is willing to go by sending his angels. Uh, about at this point, probably uh, 15 days ago, uh, we kind of got the my my uh, we got the thumbs up from my mom that she was ready for a dog. Uh, she's turning sixty. Uh, she lost her precious dog Baxter. Uh, my mom has never seen the movie, but we the dog was like fifteen years old. Anchorman was a thing, and we named it after Anchorman. Although my mom never saw the movie because uh, she's way too saintly for that. And uh, anyways, I wicked digress. But anyways, so Baxter died about a year ago, and uh, and she was devastated. It was her fourth child, if you will, and uh, and so she was devastated. And uh, and so about two weeks ago or so, we we get the we get the cue, we get the the thumbs up. She's ready for a dog, but we're like, man, like dogs, uh, uh, like you can't just go and pick up a dog. Like, that doesn't happen nowadays. Like, a mama dog and a daddy dog, they get married, uh, and then they have kids. (laughs) And the kids are kind of in this baby maker thing, uh, and it takes some time, takes some months. And so it's like, okay, how are we going to call around and just find a dog? She uh, specifically wants an Australian Labradoodle. And uh, and so she's ready. Uh, And so we call, we call, we call. I call this breeder up in North Jersey, and she's like, I... uh, I have a litter coming. It's gonna. It was like a week, and uh, I guess a week ago that we were able to pick up this this puppy. Uh, she has a lit. I have a litter coming, uh, but it's all spoken for. Do you want a male or a female? And she's like, I'm like, yeah, my mom wants a male. She's like, I didn't get too many males, uh, so I don't. I don't think I'm gonna have a puppy for you. But after this weekend, uh, if they all get, if they don't all get taken, I'll call you and, and see if if you still if you still want a puppy. But odds are, it's not gonna happen. Uh, so that was like on a Thursday. On a Sunday, I'm I'm at church. And do the you know the two sermons, do the church thing, uh, rush out of here, go to my kids' game, uh, have any in lunch yet? I get home maybe two two thirty or so, and uh, I get a call. Uh, literally just got home uh, and am starving, and uh, and she's like, "Hey, fate would have it, uh, I have a puppy for you," and I was like, "Okay, I'm gonna call my dad and leave." Uh, right away, two and a half hours to get this puppy. The, the puppy, you'll, you'll see it up here on the screen. We picked up the puppy. I picked up the puppy. Uh, drove all that way. Uh, hit ATM after ATM after ATM. Had a glorious talk with my bank's fraud department. Uh, found all the money uh, through Ven- um, a whole bunch of means and got this, these people the money. Paid for the dog. Drove it home. Uh, it was about a five-hour round trip. Uh, killed an audiobook. That was great. And would you have it... Uh, would you know that before I made it to the second road, I picked up the dog. I didn't even turn off the main road from this lady's house. The dog had already uh, pooped in its cage. Uh, I had no means of cleaning it up. Uh, and I did my best, but uh, I had to carry this dog uh, after he pooped in his, in his cage and had poop all over my white pants. So the dog is still unnamed, but I'm really pushing for a poop head. That I don't think is going to win. Uh, and so, like, but that's my mom. Like, as soon as I got the call, like, I'm willing to go to those depths to help my mom, to love my mom, to sacrifice for my mom. So, so it shouldn't surprise you that uh, when I was in, I don't know, maybe ninth grade or so, and this gentleman uh, said some curse words to my mom as she was blocking an aisle at Best Buy because we had just run into a friend. She didn't know she was blocking an aisle. She didn't know that this person was trying to get by her. She was oblivious to it. 
but I heard this person as he was getting by say some bleepity bleep things to my mom and I went berserk on this guy. That shouldn't surprise you. It shouldn't surprise you that when I was in fifth grade, I, I was pitching uh, and my mom was cheering for me and people from the other team were chirping me and chirping my mom. And when they started chirping my mom, I lost my cool and started screaming things from the mound where the coach had to come out, do a mound visit and say like, I will pull you if you don't stop chirping the fans. Uh, that shouldn't surprise you, right? And it shouldn't surprise you. I've said this before that none of, nobody in my family is allowed to wear Reebok because we hate Reebok. Why do we hate Reebok? Nothing to do with Reebok, but it's because the bully uh, early on in my middle school years told me to do things to my mom and then we got into a fight and the bully wore white Reebok shoes and so we hate Reebok. None of that should surprise you because you, you mess with my mom. She could be completely in the wrong and my mama claws are going to come out. So because my mama claws are going to come out, it doesn't, it makes all the sense in the world that I would go to great depths to also show love for my mom. Jesus is talking about that type of a thing here, that, that the depths in which he's willing to go from, for, uh, to show love to his people should show to us also that it would anger him when people mess with his people, that God will dispatch his angels on our behalf. For God so loved the world, he sent his son, his son died for us. He left his, his Holy Spirit for us to indwell us, and now he has the angels on call on our behalf. At the foot of the cross, your worth was determined. It's unquestionable. You are worth the son of God because God said you are worth my son, so he sends his son. Your worth is established. Why would we treat our brothers and sisters as, they, as if they are worth less than the worth given to us? Shouldn't we treat them as being of infinite worth? So when we look at our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, any term of an enemy, jerk, butt face, whatever term you want to use that you would use of an enemy should be never, never be used of the people of God, the family of God, only family terms, brother and sister. The way we interact with one another, where we want to hate another brother or sister in Christ, we're going to find ways to love them. Why? Because one day, all of our brothers and sisters that have faith in Jesus Christ are going to be invited to an internal family reunion. <laughs> We're all going to be there. So why not start living like family here and now? So despising uh, God's family awaken, awakens God's anger. We have the, the, uh, the insight of, of the angels, but then we have the insight, Christ's insight. Why do you think if a man has 100 sheep, and one of them has gone astray, does he not leave the 99 on the mountains and go in search uh, of the one that went astray? And if he finds it, truly I say to you, uh, he rejoices over it more than the other 99 who never went to astray. In this culture, sheep are discarded. In this, in this culture, sheep are thrown off. This, this sheep are, are worthless. Jesus here is talking about like, don't look down and despise things and see it as worthless because Christ doesn't view it like this. What we as society want to cast off and say is worthless, like, no, Christ says these sheep have value. Now, now talking about sheep as the family of God, why would God treat us as people that have value? He would treat us as people that have value because no matter how immature, unattractive, unfaithful, whatever it might be, the sheep, 
the people of the family of God are still people that Christ built his blood for. So what you want to cast off, Christ is pursuing. It was the high and mighty religious types, the Pharisees that that would look down on people from their holy uh, religious seats, if you will, and say like, uh, well, you're, you're too immoral for me. You're uneducated. You're of a lower class. And they would put distance between themselves and people. That's not the attitude of Jesus. That's not how, that's not, that's not how Jesus acts. He doesn't, he doesn't look at them and say, that a boy, that's, that's, that's not my Jesus. My, my Jesus is using this story, this parable, to say that, you know what, there was, there was a shepherd that had a hundred sheep, a hundred people in his family, if you will. And it's almost as if, you know what, one sheep went missing and the shepherd was so involved with the sheep that he could just sense the one sheep wanders away. He senses it. He goes after that one sheep. There's dedication there. There's a pursuit there. He leaves, if you caught in the parable, he leaves the little mountaintop, presumably to go to the valley. Why? Because that sheep is wandering. Why? That sheep can be attacked. Why? That sheep could be sick. Why? That sheep could be lame and, and laid up someplace. He's going to find that sheep. And when he does, olive oil would be used, binding whatever is broken, bandaging wounds. He would go and do whatever he could to, to, to restore that sheep to its uh, best condition, bring that sheep back in, and then not necessarily scold the sheep, but have a party and, and celebrate. Is that sheep of less worth than the other 99? No. We're not doing a cost analysis thing. Like, we're not saying, well, these 99, or this one, is like, oh, this is the one. This is the greatest worth. And this, forget all that. Like, no. Like, like, this is saying, if one of you 99 went out, I'd go search for you. If it was you, hey, number 72, if it was you, I'd search for you. Hey, 63, if it was you, 44, if it was you, I'd go search for you. You're good? You're good. Okay, I'm going to go search after this one. This one has great value because of the situation they find themselves in. And so we're going to go look for that sheep. You all have value and we will search and find you when you have gone and you have started to wander. And when you come back, we will rejoice. In 1987, a young girl, uh, I believe her name was Jessica, uh, got stuck in a well. And this is the scene of them uh, after like 58 hours pulling her up out of the well. I think I'm hearing the crowd react yes, back there too the as crowd. well. Yeah. It's getting louder. They've, We've got her. Got We're getting the indication. Yeah. We're getting the indication. Oh People are seeing it. Thank God. Thank God. For this. There she is. There she is. <laughs> there she is. And she, her eyes are open. You can see her eyes open. Bless her. She's blinking. Bless her heart. She's blinking. 58 hours, exactly. <laughs> Thank God. 58 hours. <laughs> Bless your little heart. That's excellent. Oh, my God. That's wonderful. Thank God for that. For all the people that have worked so hard. There you see her. She owes her life to so many great people who have worked so hard to save it. What a brave side of the world. Yeah, we can hear the crowd. You can hear it. She's wiping her eyes. Look at her. 58 hours down in the dark hole. 
Is that a beautiful sight? Oh, it is. It certainly is. Oh. Oh. All right. And the doctor's now moving in. You can hear the celebration. You can hear the news crews. You can, you can hear it all. And of course there's celebration. A child was in a dark hole. And then a child, you know, literally hundreds of people went to help this child get out of this dark hole. And can you imagine the mom and the dad's utter joy when they're holding their daughter again? Was this child of any greater worth than any other child on planet Earth? No. They were just in need, unlike other children on planet Earth. And so we went and we found and we, we celebrated when this child was now safe again in, in, in the father's arms, to use that terminology. We can have people in this church that are part of the family of God and they leave, they wander, they go away, they wander away into their own sins, their own dis- demise, and, and, and that's not the best for them. And they can become, in essence, a one again. Are we supposed to just say like, oh, if you leave and you're doing your thing, like you do you, I'll, you know, like I'll take what Jesus is saying here and I'll just think fondly of you. That's not what's being talked about here. This is love in action. According to what Jesus is saying here is this will force us to be, get uncomfortable. This will force us to go to the, to be inconvenienced. This will be sacrificial. This will take us from the mountain to the valley. This will be hard. This will be work. This will be mathematically unbalanced. This will take us like outside the quote unquote nine to five. This will be an inconvenient hours. This will bring comments and feelings from the 99. Like you're putting work over there, but you're working over here. Like ah, da, 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 da. It, th- this will bring, this will cost you your reputation. This will cost you the status quo. But in the end, it's worth it. Somebody worth the precious blood of Jesus has returned to the family. If the father celebrates, if Christ celebrates, shouldn't we celebrate as well? To despise uh, somebody in God's family will awaken God's anger. We have the insight of the angels, uh, the angelic insight. We have Christ's insight. And then lastly, we have the father's insight. So it is not the will of my father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. I mean, let this sink in as you watch this. The Father cares for you. The Father wants you. He's committed to you. The Father rejoices. It's not like, does God, I know God loves me, but I don't think he really likes me. No, he's madly in love with you that, that when you start to wander, he's going to send a search and rescue party after you. He is committed to you. So we, as God is committed to to each of us, shouldn't we be committed to each other? For every believer, if we are to go on the attack against another believer who God is pursuing, that would set us up to be God's antagonist. That we would be going against the heart and the will of the Father. And so if God is on pursuit for people, we better do no less. And if we are in the midst of stumbling, if we are in the midst of wandering, and you know if that's you, It should be great joy, comfort, and it should actually draw us back to know that when we return, God celebrates. It's not, let me keep you at at arm's distance. It's, it's, It's Christ is overjoyed to have you back. We just recently, towards the end of the month, uh, end of August, celebrated uh, Brady's uh, ninth birthday. And, uh, 
And there was a moment where I was sitting, sitting at the table, the birthday dinner. We go around and we, uh, we say something great about the birthday boy. And uh, there was a moment I saw uh, I, uh, he was sitting next to his best friend from the neighborhood. And uh, I was overjoyed. Like that's truly a word that I was just full, full of joy as I was sitting at that table. Uh, because towards the beginning of the pandemic, even a little bit before that, uh, all, all the neighborhood kids started coming to our house. And so... It's a problem that we picked. They destroyed my front yard, but we, we'd rather that than, than a nice, we'd rather all the friends than a nice front yard. And one of the moments, they, they come to our house and then they, they grab their bikes and, and they leave and they, they went off to the woods. And it was one of their first times kind of just hanging out with a group of friends, kind of forming a friendship. And uh, one of the boys saw a hunting camera in the woods and, uh, and destroyed it. Like, like just like annihilated this hunting camera. The guy who owned it, Found it, grabbed the memory card, and saw who destroyed the camera. Thankfully, not one of my, my boys, although it wouldn't be, um, you know, they've done silly things before. Uh, and so there was this kind of this group chat with some of the parents. And uh, one parent was like, well, I know this, this type of a kid. I don't know this specific kid, but I know this type of a kid in their trouble. My kid isn't allowed to hang out with them. And for me, I kind of like was like, okay, like we'll, you know, at our house, we'll respect those rules that you have for your kid. But for us, like um, this kid can still come over. He's always been respectful. He's done. He did something stupid. My kids have done stupid things, but he's always respectful at my house. Uh, and we're not going to keep him at arm's length. We're going to let him still hang out at our house. And uh, and over the year, over the last year and a half, he's come to church. Uh, he knows why we have certain morals or why we view the world the way we view our world. He knows I'm a pastor. He thinks it's super cool that I'm on YouTube. Like, that's weird to me. And, uh, and it, 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 we've had those conversations. Is he a Christian? No, he's not a Christian yet. And I'm going to say yet because we pray that he will be. But I was overjoyed with the fact that there was a situation where others wanted to keep him at arm's length. But here he was at a sleepover. Here he was at a birthday party. Here he was next to my, next to my boy. And I could look at them and be like, man, like, you guys are like brothers now. Like, you fight like brothers and you make up like brothers. Like, you guys can wrestle and you can fight and then moments later be the best of buddies. Like, you're, you're, you're like family now. Uh, and, we, and our prayer is that one day you'd be in the family of God. I was overjoyed that he was at the table. You and I should be overjoyed when somebody from the family of God has wandered off and comes back to the table. But yet we think that, you know, you've wandered off. You've done God dirty. You've done me dirty. And so now I'm going to keep distance. And now, like, I'm going to teach you a lesson by how I treat you. Like, have you thought that? Have you heard that? Like, I'm teaching them a lesson. Like, what lesson are you teaching them? Are they receiving that lesson are they getting the lesson? Like, I don't think that's that type of lesson in the manner in which we teach a lesson. But we want to act like that. Like, and, like, God is, like, like, God is not up in heaven and we're going to get there. We're going to die. We're going to kick the bucket one day. We're going to stand before God. He's going to go, oh, you taught this person a lesson you avoided. You avoided. You avoided. You avoided. You avoided. Oh, you avoided 3,762 people on planet Earth. Well done. I think what God is going to look at is how many people, the least of these, did you love? When the world wanted to avoid them, did you embrace them? Did you love them with the message of the gospel? How often do we frustrate the heart of God instead of celebrating what God celebrates? 
When was the last time that you obeyed God when, when, he, when he tapped you on, on the proverbial shoulder and said, you, you see that person? They're running. Let's go get them. And let's have a party. When we despise God's family, we awaken God's anger. We have the, the insight, the angelic insight. We have Christ's insight. We have the Father's insight. Church is full of broken people. You can leave this church and find another church. Um, you can go to the church down the street. You can go to the church across the river. You can go to the church in a neighboring community, a neighboring town, a, a neighboring county. Uh, you can leave a, a physical church altogether and find any church online because your quest to find a church that has no wandering people that you have to worry about. You don't have to have a gut check type sermon. You, you, I want to find it, and you're never going to find it. That this church is broken like any other church. Why? Because it's full of broken people. We are no different. But I want to be a church that knows how to pursue people in their brokenness. I want to be a church that, 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 that doesn't want to keep, pe- keep people at arm's length, but I want to celebrate when, when people come back to Jesus and, and leave their mess at the altar, leave their mess at the cross, that, that we're, not, we're not inviting people back in and saying your sin does not matter, but no, we're inviting people in and we want them to be made right in Christ Jesus. Sadly, how many people do we know that want nothing to do with God and perhaps, sadly, it's because of the people of God. How many people that aren't present at all with the family of God anymore because they've caused us pain or we've caused them pain or, or the combination, and we actually take joy that they're no longer part of what we are doing. I think God is inviting you and I to be on mission for people. I think he's inviting you and I to say, like, hey, we're really not better for getting rid of people. We're better for being together and working through our own brokenness. And so my challenge to you this week is, is okay, I'm preaching to the online community, so I'll doctor it up a little bit. You know, invite multiple D-church people to the church next week. Might you watch with somebody? Might there be people that, uh, that you know haven't been to church in 35 years, <laughs> Or might there be somebody in your geometry class that you know was confirmed at age 10, 11, or 12? I don't know, whatever that faith group does, like whenever you get confirmed. Um, but they haven't been back to church since. And you're going to invite them to say, hey, would you watch this with me? And they're going to be like, yo, like, yo, like, I don't do this whole organized religion thing. Like, I got confirmed, and like, I want nothing to do with it now. And you can be like, yo, like, my pastor said I fart rainbows. So it's not really that religious. Like, let's watch it together. Like, you can make fun of, uh, you know, whatever. whatever. Yeah. Like, invite them. Or maybe you know that you're about to retire, and, and you know that there's that person that hasn't been to church in 25 years because a church person gave them a look. Because a church person, when, when you were going through that thing with your spouse, the way the church person handled that and spoke to you and, and, and treated you, like, all of a sudden, you want nothing to do with church. You haven't been back since. Might next week be the time for you to invite them and to say, like, would you watch this with me? And here's why I think it's critical, because even next week, it's going to be a very unique message. We're going to be looking at Matthew 18, and when I say that, church people have something in mind. 
church people have Matthew 18. They don't, they don't, they, they forget all, everything else in Matthew 18, but they will remember uh, if somebody's caught in sin, like go one-on-one, go two, two and three, tell it to the church, treat them like a, a tax collector or a Gentile. God lays out a process on how to handle people who have wandered. People remember that, but they don't necessarily know the heart or really how to do that. So maybe it's been fumbled in the past. It has been fumbled in the past. And I'm inviting you to invite those people to church so that we can see truly how to handle each other in our brokenness and move forward in a much healthier way. Ultimately, why are we doing this? Because our memory verse, I'm trying to memorize, but grow in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, I forget the second half. But to him be glory both now and for all of eternity. That when we grow in these areas, we bring God glory. Perhaps next week when you're watching with somebody who hasn't been to church in forever, God will receive glory in that. Have a good week. Take this challenge. We'll see you next week.